0: and welcome to episode three of the future was tomorrow with myself paul ripley a podcast that looks at everything ai and we do our best to entangle it for myself in particular and for you guys listening right now my name is paul ripley and my brother is nick who is the digital what developer developer and we self sort of go through certain topics every week. So if you like this podcast, please do uh, you know subscribe and share it to your friends and colleagues. So Nick, what's today's topic?
1: It's about jobs and how AI are already affecting jobs and will do in the future.
0: Yep, yeah, I've um, I've seen quite a few videos on YouTube, uh, and one in particular. I know you got some clips from that video, which is amazed me really. And I'm amazed about the number of jobs which will go, uh, and it's quite scary. It's um, it's, a, it's you know the brave new world. It's, it's something different. Well, is it upon us?
1: Well, the, first of all, we I think if we look at where we are with AI at the moment and um, what its development path is, then we can get a really better idea of how and what type of jobs it will affect. Because there's a lot of speculation that's been written. A lot of it I don't think is helpful. A lot of it's fear-mongering. Um, but there's genuine concerns here.
0: Yeah. One of the things I noticed is, I know we're going to jump jumping ahead of time, but I mentioned before about, uh, we're both photographers, aren't we? Uh, and AI is coming to photography more and more. And image creation and now one of the things I noticed the other week was somebody won a photo competition with an AI image under the alias of a, a genuine photo.
1: Yeah the artist um won the Sony Worldwide Photo Competition which is a very, very it's probably the most prestigious award in photography yeah. in reality. And he didn't accept the reward award I should say because he told everybody it was AI generated and his whole point was to make this stance um, about the question that AI brings, particularly regards to
0: human arts. And creative industries in general, do you think?
1: And creative industries in general, certainly. Okay. So where are we up to? Well, what can AI do at the moment? Okay. So what sort of things? You you mentioned about photography. Yeah. You've mentioned about writing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, other things? Sound?
0: Sound. Lots of AI. AI editing videos. AI sound. I mean, yeah, it produces voices of text. Um, and music. Music, yeah. Yeah. It's a, a, an album going around. There's talk at the moment of cds i don't know supposed to make cds but tracks that are being produced now would have a human hand on them imprinted somewhere to say it's a, made by humans and not ai
1: so recently um on the top of spotify before the track got pulled after a week was a mix-up of the weekend yeah. and kanye west yeah um And that was AI produced. Yeah, It was awful, by the way. It may have been awful, but it (laughs) was top
0: of the charts. So (laughs) who can argue with the public? So back to the point of um, uh, where we are at now.
1: Well, here is a clip from Tristan Harris. And I think it's really worth looking at because this concerns ChatGPT and its development of theory of mind, which I'll show why is important very shortly.
2: Uh, in 2018, uh, GPT had no theory of mind. In 2019, barely any theory of mind. Uh, in 2020, it starts to develop the, like, the strategy level of a four-year-old. By 2022, January, it's developed the strategy level of a seven-year-old. And by November of last year, it's developed almost the strategy level of a nine-year-old. Now, here's the really creepy thing. We only discovered that AI had grown this capability last month.
1: The importance of this is theory of mind is about dealing with humans particularly. Um, So if it develops its theory of mind over the next year and becomes, say, a 14-, 15-year-old, which is seems very capable of, then... This is the strategy, though, isn't it,
0: of the theory of mind? You talked about that.
1: Yeah, it's the strategy underlying its text outputs to people. So if it does that, then it's capable of going into customer services, for example... It's very good at that, um, with that sort of capability. And we already know that there's companies in Salford, for instance, working on looking at replacing customer service with AI.
0: Mm. What other areas do you reckon then? Because I I noticed that one there is the company in Salford we're talking about, or perhaps we can get an interview with the guys. Um, GCHQ are sponsoring it or supporting the project. of Of course that straight away i'm slightly worried when
1: well with with all these new technologies i can imagine that government agencies will be very interested in what the developments are how they may be able to use these facilities for themselves what the benefits etc so if you like it say uh it's an investment in the true sense because they, they want to see about the technology and where it's going.
0: Okay. Well, our blog has just gone up today, although this is slightly behind the, ahead of the, no, behind the blog, uh, talking about the government's response to AI at the moment. And you've just uh, left quite a few comments. It's quite funny what you did. Please explain. So, yeah, I, the government published a white paper in
1: March, towards the end of March, Uh, by the Department of Education, Science and Technology, I think it is, um, looking at its response to AI. And it's a typical long-winded document. Some good references uh, that it's putting from good academic papers and things. Most of them are one or two years old, which in AI terms is decades. Yeah. Yeah, So... It's waffly. It's hyperbolic. It really says Britain is the best, or we will be the best, or and it's just like, oh, give me a break. So, by the end of reading through it, I got exasperated, honestly. Um, so I I took its recommendations and I put them into Bard, which is by Google. It's a like a chat GPT AI, and I asked Bard to comment on. What it saw, which is hilarious, go on, <laughs> it was so accurate. It was, it's too slow, it's too bureaucratic, it doesn't help innovation. Um, why aren't you, why do you bother with this approach? It, it's fantastic. And I thought it's far more accurate than anything I've seen written by this government
0: on this sort of subject ever. Quite scary. Right, so... Let's talk about job losses uh, uh, before we talk about job gains. We mentioned the creative industries.
1: Well, creative industries are really at the forefront, from what I see, um, of jobs at danger. There was a report by Price Waterhouse Cooper um, earlier this year, which says that within early 2020s, three percent of jobs will be this is all jobs, 3% of jobs will be at risk of being lost to AI. But by the mid-2030s, that figure rises to 30%. Jesus. And what we're seeing already is that jobs like copywriters, mm-hmm. video producers, or second assistant video producers, particularly at this moment, sound engineers, journalists, Paralegals in law departments.
0: One of the things that was quite clear is um, if I'm thinking like a magazine now, if you can, can produce photographs by AI, we can just put a heading into an AI engine. I suppose what you call it, and it can create content. So you've got content, so you don't need a writer, you don't need a photographer. Exactly. You know, which cuts down your costs of producing it. So Significantly, overall, one person could run a magazine and bring in all the content.
1: Certainly, I mean, when what what will be hit first of all are, are freelancers in this. So when I ran a magazine, I used to bring in freelance designers. I used to bring in freelance some freelance writers, but mainly copywriters uh, to do the front part and the editorial part to spice that up and that sort of thing. I would not do that now. I would just use AI, to be honest.
0: Uh, I work for a company, uh, and uh, the company has many outlets to the media. One of the outlets is a magazine, a sci-fi magazine, and they have something like 80 Writers, and they they gather their images from, from the uh, film companies and production companies who send them the imagery to put in the magazine, and also they have an artist who makes up their own, their own type of thing of the front cover at times, uh, and they have an editorial there and they do reviews of TV and films. Can that be completely re- replaced, do you think, by one person?
1: Now, no, it could be certainly supplemented, um, but maybe up to sort of 40% of the work could be supplemented by AI so and you can make it a lot still cheaper be and
0: quicker. entertaining to people. Because the reason why you read something is it's a different mind, isn't it? It's a different. Someone's wrote, say, a review, and you, you know whether it's a you know like a music magazine, it's a band review or it's a film review, and you can take on board what that person says and either go to the film or go to the gig. Uh, how will the AI work?
1: Well, you have to learn how to first of all use the tools of AI to your advantage. Okay. So a lot of people will say. Write me a review of this recipe or or something similar. Um, Write me a review of this TV show. Okay. Um, That's not the best way of going about it. You need to be very specific in in what you write as a prompt. So you can say that I want it to be witty. I want it to be informational. I want it to be educational. uh, I want it to have a unique style to this as part of the prompt that you're putting in, and the AI will go away and do its best at doing that. And after a couple of iterations, you may get something which is 70% there, 85% there, and you can use that and spice it up yourself. So at the moment, it requires good editorial and good prompting to get good information out. You know, those saying of rubbish in, rubbish out... Is very true.
2: Late last month, OpenAI co-authored a study with top academics which addresses this existential question of whether AI will displace many workers. They found that almost 80% of jobs could be affected by AI in some way very soon. The authors then reveal their key finding, which I mentioned in the introduction. Quote: Our analysis indicates that approximately nineteen percent of jobs have at least 50% of their tasks exposed when considering both current model capabilities and anticipated tools built upon them. Put simply, AI could do half of the workload for about 20% of jobs, which is truly disruptive. The authors also note that when you factor in other types of AI, this statistic could be as high as 50%. So, put differently, a i could do half of the workload for fifty per cent of jobs, which means that twenty five per cent of all human jobs could be lost twenty
0: five per cent so we are talking really about the i suppose the middle in this country we call them the middle class um jobs going yes certainly the desk type jobs the at the, the moment. You, you're not someone going down um lane, tarmac and the road, is it's that world of middle class and I'm, and usually they are the people who determine which government will be in. Yep.
1: So, so first of all we have to remember that the report that Colin Bureau was talking about came from OpenAI, who have got, shall we say, a vested interest in this field. Absolutely, yeah. It's not from like Price Waterhouse Cooper or McKinsey or uh, a different agency which is used to producing these sorts of reports. However, the findings from all of them are somewhat similar in that some say 25%, some say 30%, some say as high as 80% of jobs will be affected by AI in some AI way, in yeah. some way yeah, yeah. or shape or form. Now... Obviously, the first types of jobs to replace, which is good for open AI and such companies to gain revenue from, is those middle-income earning jobs anyhow. Because for them, it's a great business model. They, they've got this ambition of, of making $1 trillion in profit. Now, if you want to who, who do that
0: else? sort of stuff, who, who else?
1: open AI, they've okay. openly admitted that they want to make over $1 trillion of profit. Okay. So it's certainly, you know, what they need to be able to do is they're using a very clever marketing strategy at the moment. They're over egging, over hyping how strong current AI is. Yeah. And they're also making it fearsome that oh our ai technologies are so so strong that you know they're going to wipe out society as we know it in terms of jobs in terms of culture in terms of all sorts of things because it's in their interest to to hype up their technologies so we've got to take a lot of that with a pinch of salt but we also on the other hand we've got to make a reasoned assessment of this by comparing it with lots of other tools which are available and making pretty educated guesses, because we've already gone through you know, two industrial revolutions as it is, so we can start to predict things. Yeah. The biggest problem is that this is happening so fast. This is happening far too fast for government legislators. Yeah. It's happening far too fast um, for society as a whole to to respond to this. So what do we do? Do we bring in something like a universal basic income to alleviate the mass unemployment that is being predicted from AI? Or we do we believe that, oh, it's just like, you know, when, when the computer revolution started and it just creates lots of new jobs like programmers and things. Mm. Except this time, programmers have been threatened by this technology. Already google bard can write in 20 different tech languages like html like python yep. like yeah, yeah. c++ those sorts of things it might not be as good as a a programmer a senior programmer at the
0: moment it's certainly better than i am and it will get better and better as time goes by inevitably okay um one of the areas of uh, job losses we've talked about briefly before was about photography and about, you know, the people who sell photographs and magazines. And we've got a clip here which of a guy, and I don't know who he is, to be honest, but he's, do you know who he is?
1: I don't know his name. He's uh, I've watched quite a few of his YouTube he's videos good, before. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, there's an industry which is called stock photography. Yeah. And it's how a lot of photographers have... Supplemented most of their earnings from. They may be a, a wedding photographer, for instance, but it's seasonal work by and large. You get most of your work in the spring and the summer. So in the autumn and winter, what you tend to do is take what
0: are called stock photographs, which are photographs... Which are used all over the web all over the web, all over websites, yep, uh, all over magazines. It's just a huge, huge market. But let's play the clip. I think it explains it in a quite a witty,
3: funny way. As a generation, I reckon we're pretty well placed to deal with what was once science fiction and is now commonplace reality. So let's talk about stock photography specifically and how AI is going to kill a substantial portion of the revenue of companies such as Getty Images. There are, it seems to me, two kinds of stock photography, the specific and the non-specific. Specific Specific stock photography would be something like a photograph of an actual location like Big Ben, the Grand Canyon, Machu Picchu for instance, or you know an actual person, Barack Obama, Kanye West, Vladimir Putin for instance. Non-specific stock photography is the generalised topic or theme based photographs used to illustrate blog articles or brochures. You might search for photographs of an elderly man pushing a walker down a suburban street in Liverpool or perhaps a group of young children enjoying a birthday party in the back garden of a house in Canada or I don't know a colourful sunset over a forested mountain range. Within five years probably far less the stock photography market as we know it now will largely cease to exist. And yes, any other market that heavily relies upon imagery of any kind is probably in deep shit too.
0: To be honest with you, uh, people like Getty Images, you, you know, with the, you a search for a photograph uh, on, online and you get a photograph that's ideal for something, it's got a Getty Images pushed all over it, and they have made and other companies, many, many other companies who produce stock photography. Well, they don't produce it, obviously. The likes of me, Nick, produce it. But they are, I think, to be honest, ripping photographers off for so long. You know, the, in, And their in, clients. And their clients, yeah. I mean, every image you see with paparazzi, what image is a, a photograph taken and then sold online. It's... it's a bit, you know, I'm glad to see them go, but them going would also you know take away income for for the likes of um um photographers who are full-time photographers anyway what can we do to not fight this but to bring it down a little bit how, how can the creative industries work with ai
1: well that's the that's one of the questions really which is going to be vital for everybody you can either not cooperate but that's a bit of an ostrich sort of syndrome of, oh, you know, I'll just ignore what's going on around me. Yeah. Or you can learn to work with the technology and understand its its strengths and weaknesses. So, for instance, I'd, I published um, uh, a piece which used a piece of AI artwork. And one of the things that they don't do very well at the moment, that will change is it can't draw circles, for instance, very well. So it it's got this this earth shape, but it it's not like any earth I've ever seen before. Cause it's the shape of it's just totally wrong. Mm. So so it doesn't do th- certain things very well. It can't use text very well. There's a couple of engines which are coming out which are using text within images, but the the major ones at the moment don't use text. I expect that to change within three or four months, if not less. So we, we get to start understanding its strengths and weaknesses, playing up to its weaknesses. Certainly creativity is one's very large weakness of it. The creativity largely comes upon how it's interpreted existing authors. So there are a lot of court battles which are either ongoing or about to go on against the makers of these machine technologies uh, saying, you're stealing our work effectively.
0: We'll need to see where that goes. But how can you steal the work of, say, D.H. Lawrence? Yeah, you know, So you write a story in, in, in the style of...
1: Copyright is just such a strange, archaic institution yeah so some it used to be that works about 100 years ago were no longer in copyright yeah. that's no longer the case corporations have taken over the the copywriting function so estates can have copyright
0: in, perp- in perpetuity as far as i'm aware so i want to put this uh, question to, to you before we finish and we're about to wrap up is in the future will it be the big huge blue chip blue chip companies who are controlling and paying for this AI technology and the independence will sort of vanish and fade away because they will not be able to afford it because they'll put such a price on it that they control it. Well, there are a couple of
1: competing things happening as ever within the tech industry. So you've got corporations which are sinking vast amounts of money. I mean, absolutely vast amounts of money into this. But you've also got open source software, which is freely available source, which can be edited and adapted to your needs. So there are most of the software I tend to use tends to be open source. Not all of it, because it's not quite as developed yet. But again, the speed of development is such that open source software may well be as good and freely available to many people. Okay. There's one program, for instance, which is uh, people are claiming is very dubious, and it's called ChatPT for All, and it plugs into Chat ChatGPT four uh, via external services, so it's not plugging into it directly. So OpenAI are trying to say, like, stop it, you can't do this, and it's going, I've got no contract with you, I'm not, I'm not accessing you via your mm. services. I'm doing it from a third-party service. So there are going to be lots of disputes about this, about who owns it, who can have access
0: to it. Well, we've got time to wrap up. we are going to say goodbye. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, please subscribe and tell your friends, uh, and we'll see you next week. And next week will be about? Well, we'll be looking more
1: about these actual tools that people are using and what that actually means uh, about what what the industries are that are affected what we need to learn to do to to work with these tools
0: okay see you next week take care goodbye What, I'm actually lost, is it subscribed to, to a podcast site? I don't know, you do, you su- yeah, I think it is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you can subscribe, yeah. normally follow. Follow, oh right, okay, that one's wrong. <laughs> so I got the cat to, I, I got barred to respond to the government report.
0: Oh, I preferred the cat, to be honest with you, mate.